Well, hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 192 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about the SAP settlement uh, with the Justice Department and the OFAC and with the Commerce Department's uh, BIS, Bureau of Industry and Security. Well, hello, everyone. Hope everybody's doing well, uh, staying safe and healthy. Um, I thought I'd, the SAP settlement is really an important settlement. It actually sets out a new sort of compliance frontier in the area of export control and sanctions, uh, building on some of the best practices that are included in the uh, guidance and uh, the OFAC guidance, uh, which was released in May of uh, 2019. So uh, let's take a deep dive into this uh, settlement. And uh, we'll definitely focus on some of the compliance issues as well. And uh, before we do that, let's uh, hear from our sponsor, uh, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. So the uh, recently announced SAP settlement is really uh, precedent-setting in a number of ways. And uh, let's start just with the basics. Uh, this was with the just, it was a non-prosecution agreement with the Justice Department, OFAC, and the Bureau of Industry and Security BIS, uh, and it was for more than, I mean, it was closer to $8.5 million for numerous violations of the Iran sanctions program. Uh, and the, the key here is we're focusing on a different division in the Justice Department, that being the National Security Division, which is responsible for export controls and sanctions compliance or enforcement. Uh, now, 
They settled prior export control and sanctions cases against corporations uh, for violations of the North Korea sanctions program. But the SAP case is the first in which a company sought uh, the benefits of uh, its new export control and sanctions enforcement policy for business organizations. So um, they, uh, SAP in this case, came in and voluntarily disclosed. They cooperated and they remediated and then uh, obviously got the benefit of a non-prosecution agreement as well as a reduced penalty. So this is a precedent-setting settlement because it provides really important insights into how DOJ is going to uh, enforce this new policy, apply it, uh, this new policy, just like um, the criminal division is in the Justice Department. Uh, enforces its um, uh, corporate enforcement policy as well. So this is the first where we're seeing the National Security Division sort of flex its muscles and sort of say, this is what we expect, this is what we want. Um, Like I mentioned in the beginning, it also, um, uh, DOJ here is basically setting out its expectations for export control and sanctions compliance programs. Um, And like the sort of, if you look back on the history of sort of how the FCPA compliance area evolved, it turns out that there was a lot of clues eventually uh, through lots of the enforcement actions that were brought uh, during a time period before the guidance was issued. So, This is the beginning of a new, also aggressive approach to export and sanctions compliance standards uh, beyond those required by OFAC and BIS. So as a result, global companies uh, have to review once again their export control and compliance programs in accordance with new and important uh, DOJ precedent. And uh, this also is coinciding, obviously, with a new DOJ that's going to be more aggressive, I believe, in uh, corporate enforcement uh, measures across the organization. So SAP is the, you know, the famous uh, German software company. Uh, they entered into a non-prosecution agreement for illegally exporting its U.S.-made software products to US users in Iran, uh, and they agreed to pay DOJ $5.14 million, OFAC $2.13 million, and Commerce uh, 3.29 million, and the uh, OFAC credited both the DOJ and Commerce uh, payments or fines, so that you're basically coming out with 8.43 uh, million. Uh, SAP earned the non-prosecution agreement uh, for in recognition of its voluntary disclosure, cooperation, and remediation. And they con- SAP conducted an extensive internal investigation beginning in 2017. They cooperated uh, uh, fully. They produced thousands of translated documents, answering inquiries, and making foreign-based uh, employ- employees available for interviews. SAP also spent more than $27 million to remediate its export compliance and sanctions program, including a number of measures implementing GOIP blocking, deactivating thousands of individual users of SAP cloud-based services uh, who were in Iran, transitioning to automated uh, sanctioned party screening, 
auditing and suspending SAP partners that sold to Iran-affiliated customers, and conducting more robust due diligence at the acquisition stage by requiring new acquisitions to adopt GOIP blocking and requiring involvement of the export control team before acquisition. Uh, the BIS settlement agreement, which was incorporated into this uh, resolution, requires SAP to conduct annual internal audits of its export control and sanctions compliance program over a three-year period and produce the audit, audit reports to BIS. So SAP's conduct involved a large number of violations, occurred over a seven-year period, uh, and uh, when it initially disclosed the violations to the uh, government was in 2017. SAP and its overseas business partners reduced it, uh, released its U.S. origin software, including upgrades and patches more than uh, 200,000 times to, or 20,000 times to users located in Iran. Uh, in addition, SAP's cloud business group, and this is uh, the other important part of this, is uh, the meaning, uh, the implication now for not just uh, premises software, but cloud-based software. Um, SAP acquired a number of uh, cloud-based business groups uh, during this time period and became aware through pre-acquisition due diligence and post-acquisition audits that these companies lacked adequate export control and sanctions compliance processes. Uh, SAP also is implemented uh, enhanced export control and sanctions compliance remediation, which we'll discuss a little further into this. Um, when you look at the, you know, the conduct here, uh, I mean, we're going to follow the same old pattern uh, where the, uh, for corporate misconduct, particularly in systemic ones, uh, where here we have uh, an inadequate, we start with an inadequate compliance program. Uh, they engage in violations. They learn of the, the violations through internal audit or compliance or a whistleblower report, and they ignore uh, the report and just continue, uh, in fact, to enjoy the business and the business opportunities. And that's exactly what happened here. It's the same old pattern over and over. Um, and uh, starting in uh, 2017 or 2010, uh, SAP released thousands of downloads of SAP products, upgrades, and patches to users in Iran, um, and the users exceeded 25,000 uh, in Iran, and senior management was aware that SAP did not maintain geolocation filters, um, to identify and block Iran downloads and for years failed to take any steps to address the issue. And they also worked through uh, f uh, business partners in Turkey, UAE, Germany, and Malaysia uh, who were actually Iran front companies. And the downloads then sometimes would go through uh, those third-party uh, companies. And they also uh, dealt with several multinational companies that had operations in Iran. Uh, the cloud-based violations occurred from 2011 to 2017, and they permitted about 2,360 uh, Iran users to access U.S.-based cloud services from Iran. Uh, so also SAP acquired various cloud-based companies, learned that these companies didn't have 
appropriate export control uh, and uh, sanctions compliance programs, but made the decision to just continue with them. Uh, of course, we had internal audits during the time period of 2006 to 2014, and as early as 2006, uh, internal audit uh, cited these weaknesses, the absence of geolocation, for example, uh, blocking technologies, uh, all the way up to senior management, and again, no changes were instituted. Uh, subsequent audits uh, confirmed this, a 2014 audit uh, noted that the SAP continued not to uh, identify customer IP addresses in order to block uh, downloads to embargoed countries. And then they started to do that in 2015, uh, but uh, even though they had the technical capability to do so much earlier. Um, and then they also started uh, to block on-premise downloads. They did not stop the conduct of the third-party resellers who I mentioned, who uh, sold software li uh, licenses, maintenance services, and cloud-based subscription services. Um, and these were the front companies uh, in Turkey, UAE, Germany, and Malaysia to Iran uh, end users. Uh, of course, SAP's due diligence of its resellers was deficient and would have revealed their connections to Iran companies. For example, one reseller's website publicized its business ties with Iran, uh, companies as well. The SAP also ignored two whistleblower complaints, one in 2011 and 2016, uh, reporting that SAP software was being sold to Iran front companies for ultimate delivery and use to Iran customers. So uh, the National Security Division here used this settlement, obviously, to send a loud and clear message as the first real flexing of this business organization's policy. Uh, the Justice Department underscored that companies need to voluntarily disclose, cooperate, and remediate, and they get uh, uh, benefits in terms of a non-prosecution, deferred prosecution, or and uh, reduction in the ultimate penalty here, which was uh, pretty slight in comparison to the conduct, uh, that uh, being $8 million uh, dollars. I mean, SAP's conduct was broad, uh, legal conduct was broad, system systemic, covered a long period of time, uh, thousands of uh, downloads to Iran users, which really undermined the entire Iran embargo, uh, when you think about it, in terms of its size uh, and the amount involved. Um, and its conduct uh, was, uh, you know, blatant in the sense of in, uh, avoiding these internal audit findings to whistleblower reports and uh, that they were self-aware of these and knew about these violations. So SAP now stands as the poster child uh, for a, you know, broad systemic export control and sanctions compliance uh, enforcement action. Uh, and it's a really a warning sign to cloud-based services uh, in the importance of export control and sanctions compliance to these types of business operations, considering that, um, you know, these are uh, important and uh, to the economy, the global economy, and they have to be controlled. Uh, screening processes are important, uh, for example, to focus on IP address identification and blocking capabilities 
uh, especially in those situations where the company has an indirect connection through a third party with the end user. Due diligence of each party in the chain is critical. SAP spent a total of $27 million to enhance its export controls and sanctions compliance program. So when you add that with the penalty, no matter what, this uh, you know cost the company $35 million. SAP's remedial actions in response to its years of misconduct included terminating all users associated with the third, count, third country entities that provided software and services to Iran and Iranian cloud services, terminating the third-party resellers engaged in sales to Iranian companies, blocking all downloads of software support and maintenance from Iran, uh, implementing a risk-based export control framework for resellers that requires a stringent review of proposed sales by a third-party auditor, developing and implementing an improved compliance program, including geolocation IP screening, hiring more than six new employees responsible for export control and trade sanctions compliance, terminating five employees found to have knowingly engaged in the sale of SAP products to Iran. Uh, And the real interesting issue, though, comes with what I call DOJ's compliance fine print, which is located in an attachment B to the non-prosecution agreement. Uh, And here these are... uh, SAP, these are in addition to the sanctions compliance minimums. So SAP is directed to maintain a rigorous export control and sanctions compliance program. As a minimum, they're required to maintain the five uh, elements set forth in OFAC sanctions compliance program framework, that being senior management commitment, a risk assessment, internal controls, testing and auditing, and, and annual training. But DOJ extends compliance requirements beyond those in the OFAC guidance to include a broad range of additional requirements, and let me go through some of those. One, internal reporting and timely review requirements. SAP is mandated to maintain a confidential and anonymous hotline reporting system, including telephone and email addresses that directors, officers, employees, agents, and business partners are informed of and can be used to report violations of export and sanctions laws, SAP's policies and procedures, and its code of conduct. All messages received on this internal reporting system shall be reviewed by SAP's head of export control compliance or group compliance officer by five days of receipt. And uh, SAP has to take steps to report the SIS, uh, you know, uh, inform all employees about the reporting system and underscore its commitment to non-retaliation against any reporter. Board, uh, their broad training requirements. SAP shall conduct annual ethics and export control and sanctions training for directors, officers, and its employees. The training program shall cover at a minimum all relevant U.S. export and sanctions laws, SAP's code of conduct, uh, its export compliance policies, controls, and procedures, including record-keeping requirements, and the requirements to respond, notify, and resolve any violation, and a commitment by SAP's senior executive board to communicate in writing or by video its endorsement of the training program, and SAP is mandated to begin this training program within 90 days of execution of the 
uh, NPA. uh, SAP, with regard to third-party business partners, SAP is required to notify its third-party business partners, including agents, consultants, representatives, distributors, and partners, of their obligation to report any violations of export and sanctions laws, SAP's code of conduct, or relevant export and sanctions policies. And SAP is required to begin this process by 180 days after execution of the program. Finally, with regard uh, to audits, SAP is required to conduct audits of newly acquired companies to determine whether the company has sufficient export and sanctions compliance controls. If they identify any violations, SAP is required to notify and report to DOJ no later than five days after completion of the audit. If the newly acquired company has an insufficient export and sanctions compliance program in place, SAP has 90 days from the completion of the audit to implement a sufficient compliance program. I mean, these deadlines are going to be rigorous and tough to stay uh, on top of. If additional time is needed to complete the remediation project, SAP can ask DOJ for an extension. Uh, Discipline. DOJ is required uh, uh, SAP to implement a written disciplinary policy setting forth a system applicable to all directors, officers, employees, and business partners in response to a violation of export or sanctions laws, SAP's uh, code of conduct, or their compliance policies. And finally, uh, SAP, uh, on notification and reporting of violations to DOJ, uh, SAP is required to notify DOJ of any, quote, credible evidence, close quote, of any potential criminal violations of U.S. export control or sanctions law. Uh, and DOJ may require SAP to produce non-privileged documents relating to such a possible criminal violation. Uh, and they may have to provide DOJ with an investigative plan and any resulting remedial measures. So the headline from this uh, is that uh, the Justice Department's National Security Division has made quite the splash on the enforcement and uh, compliance arena and now elevated the importance and standing of export and sanctions enforcement to make one message clear. DOJ is going to hold companies accountable for criminal violations of U.S. export and sanctions law. This is an important transformation, and I want to try to put this in the context. Prior to the SAP case, OFAC and BIS drove the enforcement train here with civil enforcement and settlements. DOJ concentrated on individual criminal schemes, often focusing on Iran, China, and North Korea for national security reasons. Now, this settlement said cements and is the beginning of enforcement coordination akin to the SEC and DOJ in the FCPRA arena of DOJ and the administrative agencies, OFAC and BIS. And you can add the State Department's ITAR program administered by the DTTC, which is coordinated on important national security cases involving military items. So DOJ is going to make its mark. It's going to do so quickly. Um, And the SAP settlement reflects the old carrot and the stick, both with some real significant costs. DOJ's broad outline of compliance program requirements moves well beyond those required by OFAC in its May 2019 guidance. Uh, These new compliance measures that I just spoke about are going to gain weight and influence as best practice expectations. 
relating to internal reporting systems, timely review of complaints, training, third-party notifications, and audits. Now, some companies may have already uh, met these new and specific requirements. Most have not, and it will be incumbent on companies to address these issues as soon as possible. And DOJ's arrival here coincides with the new DOJ mantra of aggressive enforcement. It's hard to know whether this new approach reflects a push from the new Attorney General Merrick Garland or Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, but suffice it to say this is a harbinger of other initiatives likely to follow in other areas, including FCPA, antitrust, money laundering, and financial uh, crimes. Now, um, looking closer at the SAP settlement, it's evident that many of the same suspects or compliance deficiencies occurred, and these specific issues have broad application, particularly to cloud-based software services and delivery technology. To name a few, uh, we had IP blocking with global uh, cloud-based companies now have to ensure that they have the ability to block IP addresses linked to prohibited countries such as Cuba, Iran, Syria, North Korea, and the region of Crimea. As a technology company, cloud-based companies cannot claim ignorance nor lack of will. They have to implement robust systems, and they have to do it now. Third-party and end-user risks, what a surprise. We have third parties used to circumvent uh, uh, prohibitions. Uh, and again, we need due diligence on the front end. And more importantly, uh, global companies have to ins understand the entire distribution chain from the company to the end user to know where each participant is located, where the services are used, and the payment system employed. Uh, SAP's compliance efforts obviously were deficient. Um, acquisition of cloud-based companies is, again, our principle relating to acquisitions and pre-acquisition due diligence and post-acquisition audits, just like the FCPA area, and a prompt response to compliance and audit findings. Every DOJ enforcement action uh, against a global company presents yet another instance where an internal audit, compliance, legal, uh, identify deficiencies and potential violations, and then they get ignored by senior management. Uh, and again, to me, I would close on the rhetorical question, why have internal audit or compliance if you're just going to be ignored in the end uh, when they detect weaknesses or potential violations of the law? Okay, it's a long, uh, long presentation because it's an important case. This is a new frontier in compliance. Uh, in the export control and sanctions area. Uh, it's an important case to watch as the first major case here, and we're going to obviously see more uh, as uh, enforcement and compliance uh, ramp up in this area on DOJ's uh, radar screen. So uh, uh, really take a look at this and look through, I think, the compliance implications of this uh, as well. All right. Well, have a great week. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. 
You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Was that?